Today, Monday the 22nd of June marks International Fathers Mental Health Day. I'm joined today by the campaigner, author and speaker, Mark Williams, who is going to tell us all about the day and why it's needed. Hi, Mark. How you doing? You okay, David? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> but before we talk about the day, Mark, can you introduce yourself and tell us why fathers' mental health is an issue that you're so passionate about? Yeah, over 10 years ago, nobody was really like, talking about dads. It, would, it was research there, but it wasn't much and it wasn't really publicised. And um, what I found was uh, sometimes only dad was struggling and it was impacting on mum's mental health. And, you know, uh, perinatal mental health has really grown in over the last uh, 10 years. So if nobody was talking about mum, I'd be, and everyone was talking about dads, I'd be probably known as a maternal mental health campaigner now because I believe when you support all parents for their mental health, antenatally as well as postnatally and beyond, it has far better outcomes for the whole family and the child's development as well. And what about your own story in terms of how you found yourself doing this campaigning work? Yeah, so I'm from up the valleys uh, of Bridgend. Um, a lot of unfortunate uh, bad press uh, a couple of years ago due to the suicide of young people. So it was another reason why I got into mental health as a background for the youth work. And um, so in school, unfortunately, I had a lot of low self-esteem. And um, I didn't realise that at four years of age, I had a, di- a diagnosis of uh, ADHD. So... And the reason why I mention this, because a lot of parents have a past history, either bipolar, schizophrenia, clinical depression, ADHD, ASD, borderline personality disorder, it goes on and on before they become parents. And obviously the lack of sleep and, you know, it can manifest as we know. So I self-managed that all my life, really, and um, using negative coping skills, like alcohol has always been one of the factors. Um, but also up to that point, I was 30 years of age. I was, I thought I was totally prepared for fatherhood you know and uh, you know a nice house I was probably earning more money than I am now and my wife was in a really good job and nice car all that stuff and then um, basically after 22 hours labor I remember the doctors come rushing in and they said Mr Williams your wife needs emergency c-section and it was the first time I actually had a panic attack um, and I never had a panic attack anything like that since either when I went to theater what I witnessed I honestly thought my wife and baby was going to die in that labor ward and um so what we know now is PTSD. So PTSD is an anxiety disorder, either witnessing or experiencing a life-threatening event, you know. So, yeah, it was so, you know, traumatic. And for Michelle, really, I, you know, I, only last year she's actually had the proper treatment for it, which is, you know, 15 years later. So it's really interesting you talked about PTSD. Anyone would react in that way to something as scary as the prospect of being faced with your partner, child that's, you know, just about to enter the world, concerned about their safety it would be a completely natural reaction, wouldn't it, to be really scared and really worried through that period. Did you get to a point where you realised where that changed from being something that you could deal with, but actually it was much more than that? It was something that, that was, was causing you real pain and difficulty? Yeah, um, gosh, you know, 15, 16 years ago, nobody was really talked about mental health, the stigma. You can imagine, you know, and... Uh, I think looking back, I, my anxiety was not as bad as some of the fathers, mine, but I think looking at my Michelle, who needed, should have had a mother and baby unit, which is another thing I campaigned for Wales because we haven't got one open yet. She wasn't safe, you know, and so my anxiety was, you know, my getting worse and worse because my wife did try and take a life, you know. So, um, you know, that was another factor where I witnessed that. So, and then you had to give a work, you know, six months off work, you know, self-employed, no money coming in. You've got a mortgage, you've got a different lifestyle. And then the isolation of fatherhood, 
that first year for me, it was horrendous. Couldn't tell my friends, could, certainly couldn't tell my wife how I was feeling because I didn't want to impact on her mental health. So I personally just suppressed all those feelings and that came out in anger. Um, I remember punching a sofa, busting my hand. And I was starting to get suicidal thoughts around about the four to five month mark and as well, you know. So, and, uh, you know, in, like I just mentioned earlier on, a lack of sleep, of course, it has an impact as well. So, you know, we know now with research up to 50% of dads will actually get depression looking after their partners with post depression. I mean, so there was a re- loads of reasons why I was depressed, but I was never diagnosed with any PND or PDSD ever. Taking all that into account, just thinking about the day to day, can you tell us a bit more about its origins and what you hope will be achieved with the 2020 incarnation? Yeah, so um, obviously the theme is about COVID this year because um, obviously it's such an important area this year. And uh, it really, this day started you know, five years ago, I just had an idea. I think a good thing I have an ADHD, I have all these different ideas. I've been campaigning for nearly 10 years after father I spoke to in the gym, went through it. You know, I had a breakdown five years later, you know, so my body just shut down. But there's another father who went for a similar experience. And I've just been camping there ever since because the fathers have told me and the mums as well. You know, I knew it was real. So with the day, what I was finding then, it was not just the UK. It was, I was getting fathers from, I mean, even a gentleman from France last week, you know, America, all over the world, really. And when you think, you know, the World Health Organization doesn't actually have anything on paternal mental health, only maternal you know, and they do know there's over, well, yeah, 600,000 male suicides every year. Biggest killer men under 45 now, or now 50, is suicide. I find it really shocking that in 2020, that we're not supporting a screen and dance better, you know. So, so that day, really, I would say, look, this is not just a UK concern. This is actually a global concern. Because like I always say, it does impact the mum. The amount of relationships are ending is incredible. When, if you support mum and dad, they won't be the perfect parents, no such thing as a perfect parent, but they'll be good enough parents and have a better chance to be that parent they want to be. And just talking about the kind of the international comparisons there, at the moment the government's not keen on international comparisons, but how do you feel it's doing in terms of parental mental health? Yeah, um, it is certain parts of different countries are doing more than others. I think England and Australia the forefront uh, australia's always been ahead i think we've certainly definitely catched up because obviously nhs england now and actually acknowledging fathers should be screened for their mental health and that's only if mum has post depression we want to support all parents same gender parents everyone you know everyone adopted parents should be asked for the mental health so we are improving welsh government have just done um mentioning fathers and scotland doing some really good work up there so so we are well, even all we are one of the forefronts in the world you know when it comes to um Paternal mental health, you know. So, um, but I think when you look at the other parts of the world, very much is it, it, it always the case, you know, with different policies. So that's why I've just gone for the World Health Organization to actually say, look, you need to look at this more seriously. Early on in the COVID nineteen pandemic, dads were being refused the chance to be present at the birth of their children. Thankfully, this has now changed in the majority of circumstances, unless the dad's exhibiting signs of coronavirus infection. But there does remain blocks on how much dads can be involved. However, with the NHS website noting, you'll be able to have a birth partner during labour and the birth if they do not have symptoms of coronavirus, but there may be limits on how long they can stay after the birth. And before that, when attending scans, if you need to have a scan, you may have to go on your own. 
How do you think all these different aspects are going to impact on dads and their experiences? Yeah, no, obviously everyone, every parent's got different anxieties, as we know. Um, you know, I mean, only recently, um, my niece had just given birth now, you know, and, uh, you know, she was in the hospital for two days and uh, a day early, actually, because then planned, uh, but she couldn't go home because she was already there. Uh, so she was on her own for nearly two, you know, two days. And then David, her partner, actually had to come in when she was ready to give birth, you know, so that's how, you know, it was a big rush. So, so yeah, it's totally different anxieties uh, today than, oh, well, as we know, but, and also like, you know, if you've got a partner or who's actually um, unfortunately lost a child, they're going on their own. You can imagine you know, that support ain't there as well. So there is a lot of anxieties higher since COVID. I'd like to see more studies come out of this. What do you think that organisations should be doing to make sure that dads can maintain that engagement and not see the COVID pandemic as a block to them being involved as dads? Yeah, I know, exactly. And I think with social media as well and Zoom, you know, this is a good way to actually connect to all parents. I've said this before the lockdown. There should be at least a five-minute conversation with dad. I mean, ask him about his mental health, you know, same as mum. And that could be done in, like, like we're doing now, emails, you know, we've got technology. So I think a lot of good things will come out of this as well, I think, personally. I'm looking at uh, organisations, actually, to take the pressure off health professionals as well. Like, we know we need more funding for health visitors. It's, it's massive, you know, and midwives. You know, it's, uh, they're under stress and strain as it is before this has happened and, and needs more funding by government. There's a lot of money spent in other areas when those early years is such an important time. But I think other organisations like... Uh, I think we need a change of practice a little when it comes to maternity uh, services and put responsibility on other people to ask these questions, if that makes sense, you know. One of the questions that came into my head while you were speaking was that a few weeks ago we had Infant Mental Health Awareness Week and one of the strap lines to that was seeing the world through baby's eyes. Do you feel that services see the world through dad's eyes? If I'm honest, it's a lot better than it was, but we got to think, you know, same gender parents, stay-at-home dads, you've got single dads, you know, fatherhood has totally changed when my father's a minor and my grandfather's a minor, you know, it's just totally changed now. You know, mum is in work more now and dad is home with the baby. And, um, you know, I always say you only got to show this, you know, the still face experiment on the mums and dads is one on dads. And that just says how much an impact it could have. And as we know ourselves, you know, that first thousand one critical days is such an important time. Um, you know, and I have always said about mental health, early prevention should actually start doing pregnancy. That's where it should start. The quicker the health, the quicker recovery. And also, it'll save money. Most importantly, save relationships, save lives. And like I said, with dads, if dad is worried when mum is pregnant, that's going to come on to mum and then has an impact on our baby. So it's more of a realistic approach, really, you know, supporting all parents. But when it comes to dads, um, it's come in, especially in the UK, but I think uh, we need to start changing our practice more and bring other organisations, other people in, because there's no way that health professional uh, visitors could do all this as well because a lot of health is, uh, visitors, they do want to engage with dad, but they worry they can ask something that's going to trigger anything off um, because sometimes the mental health training ain't there, the suicide prevention stuff, the awareness. So, um, you know, I'm pretty confident to ask dad if he's, he's ready to take his life or, or what plan he's got because there's no evidence really that that plan, the thought is, you know, he's going to trigger anything off you could potentially save his life if that makes sense you know so um but it's our confidence and um you know some people i've talked over the years they just have a little conversation as that's, that's your point of how are you dad it's just having a conversation 
you know, how are you doing? You know, are you feeling anxious? You know, what, what was your birth experience like? Just as you're speaking there as well, uh, one of the things that we know is that we still have quite a male-orientated society in the UK. In my own experiences as a health visitor, you know, unless you were there in the first few days, it was highly unlikely to see dads because of speed with which they had to return to work because of the benefit support system in place. I think COVID's been really interesting in terms of it's shown us how the world could be different. And I was really interested last week, the independent news website shared a story and it said that fathers do 58% more childcare in lockdown than they would normally do. And that was from an ONS survey. And I suppose it's how do you feel that COVID will impact on the role of dad and will that provide a positive situation and something that we should desperately hold on to when the world does start to return much more to a, a new normal? Yeah, no, for me personally, um, obviously the first week was hard, but I, I've learned to, to actually adapt. I think I was rushing around everywhere and, you know, I'm doing more exercise back to nature sort of thing. And, uh, and keeping still, really, um, being grounded. But I think with fathers, I think, like you mentioned, you know, some dads have gone back to work in two weeks and they, they spent like three, four months and they actually focus on our bit, um, you know, skin to skin, you know, as we know, oxytocin release. And, you know, it's, 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 I think it's a lot of benefits as well will come up to this uh, such an, you know, negative time as well. And some of the dads I've spoken, it's, it's amazing stuff online happening now. You know, we could do antenatal classes for, for dads online, which is happening as well. Um, and what will happen is as well is we know that the first year father is, I think, one in five British fathers were totally isolated. That's a November report. So, you know, I mean, if we can connect dads through Zoom or connections as well, and also educate them about the importance of that uh, skin to skin and um, being, you know, being there for the baby and stuff. Yeah, I think I think um, we can see a big ch- shift in maternity services. But like you just said, there, um, when I do my talks, ninety nine percent of the audience are women. You know, we we need more males uh, actually to come into the profession because it's a wonderful profession, isn't it? You've already given a few suggestions but what changes would you like to see that you feel that would mean that fathers would be better supported not just in the first few days and, and weeks of a baby's life but throughout that parenting journey some of the research we got like at least one in ten fathers you know suffer from post depression and you can imagine the stigma around that because it was a big factor that they thought it was hormonal it is that is one part of it but testosterone actually lowers during this time as well but there could be a range of reasons why like i mentioned earlier on when you think 38 percent of dads are concerned about their mental health that's ncc you know in um mental health foundation 39 percent of new dads want their support for their mental health like i mentioned november it has to come it has to come and I'm putting myself on record here. I believe that um, if we do screen dads and support dads better, we can lower the suicide rates from about 5 to 10%. Because some of the evidence I found is fathers are up to 47 times more risk of suicide, that's a dual diagnosis, that is, than at any other time in a man's life. Because what happens is, like I, when I worked with mums years ago as an advocate, mums were having post depression or birth trauma which does overlap, as we know, and they were never screened and supported. Then down the line, they were diagnosed with all sorts of different disorders and moving in a crisis point. And that's what's happened with dads. We're not screening and supporting them early on. And then 
two or three years, four years down the line, perhaps even longer, that's when they hit crisis, but then they're not actually supported. Because sometimes, you know, yourself, uh, David, there could be a range of reasons that, you know, pressure the fatherhood, money worries, the transition of fatherhood and parenthood is hard enough as it is. I mean, so, you know, there's loads of reasons why these men are suffering. So I think what I like to see, if we think family, he'll have far better outcomes, I promise you. One of the things that I was thinking as well as we were talking earlier about the positive impacts that COVID has brought, uh, one of the real risks of those is that, again, they are much more likely to be positive for people that have more resources, that aren't already currently uh, disadvantaged for a whole host of reasons. Uh, And just thinking, like you're saying, about dads that wanted to access support groups via video conferencing, that in itself has limits in terms of who can and who can't get involved. Uh, One of the other things that we're really conscious of and doing a lot of work on at Unite is obviously those people that didn't get furloughed originally, that have lost their jobs or are now after having been furloughed, are potentially likely going to lose the jobs. And actually, like you say, it's much harder to be a parent if you've got money worries, if you've got the concerns about where the next meal's going to come from. And like you say, that bit about the view that we all have as dads wanting to be a person that can bring money into the house, that can be a successful person in life. And actually, COVID may completely kind of blow that out of the water. Do you have any sense on or ideas of what the government needs to do to make sure that that's less likely to happen? Yeah, well, it's a good point because uh, I know I didn't have no money when I was a new dad. Um, I had self-employed, no money coming in, money worries, credit cards. So I, I've seen this side of it. Unfortunately, the government I'm supporting me in Furlong because I was I was a freelancer. So I worked in hospitals, built my business up, and then had training and it's all been wiped out. But my pressures are totally different now because oh, my son is older, my mortgage is lower. You know what I mean? So I, I got a lot of different pressures. But you're right, I think with social media, you only got to look at social media for starters. I mean, you've got dad going to take his family on holidays and then Mr. Davis down the road is haven't got no money to pay the next bill. You know what I mean? So the, due to this as well, you know, the pressures and uncertainty. You know, I've seen in Fords, you know, in Bridgend, uh, a massive, huge factory, you know, how that's going to change. And not just families, but communities are going to change. And that's going to have a knock-on effect on businesses as well. The government, I find it shocking that they're just not doing enough for young parents. I just find it shocking. They don't invest in health visiting, midwifery, early years. It just startles me because it just manifests in all the areas, you know, down the line. If you put our investment early on, especially our 1,001 critical days, I should say, put as much you know, money into that, I guarantee you, it'll just save them, <laughs> the economy, money. The next generation is going to come through. They're going to think, what were they doing? Why didn't we invest in this time, you know, this these services? You'd hope that there would be a, a real wake-up call after this being a priority of campaigners for so many years. When you see the success that Marcus Rashford had over this food for children outside of school, that you've got to be worried that it took a celebrity putting yeah. huge pressure on a government for them to have to act when the issue was do we let children go hungry over school holidays you've got to question the morality of the people in power if that's the position that they had to be put in to make a a decision that actually meant we should feed children i think sometimes this government haven't got that empathy towards you know young young children and coming from a youth sector that's my background really i'm from a a place with people classed as deprived as such um 
we got a lot of community. We, I think we're rich in a lot of things, but certainly I'm going to know the many that other areas I got. And uh, yeah, I've seen that from both and where that can impact, not just on the, you know, impacts on families. And also what I, what I will say, David, is when you've got a child in a, in a community and they see another child uh, 10 miles down the road who are having everything, all the best facilities, that knocks their confidence and think, why, why am I good enough? Am I good enough to have all this? Why ain't I on this stuff and getting help and support where 10 miles down the road, they're getting uh, more than I am, if that makes sense. You know, it, it does. And I suppose, you know, one of the arguments that I've sometimes heard is that we shouldn't be focusing on dad's mental health because actually we know that mum's mental health is so problematic and so perilous in terms of what services are available. And if we start to focus on dad's mental health, then we take away the services and support that are available to mums. I think I probably know, but what's your kind of response to that argument? Yeah, well, anyone knows me, my work has never been about taking attention away from mums, actually. Um, you know, I, I've been campaigning for the mother baby unit, you know, I'm known for fathers, but, and the reason why I'm known for fathers is because nobody was talking about dads 10 years ago. Like I mentioned, if, if everyone was talking about uh, dads and nobody was talking about mums, I'd be, I'd be there, talk, I'd be a more mums campaigner. I just think that, you know, you know, equal quality, you know, that was, was that 2010 Act came out? I mean, everyone should have a chance to be the best parent they can be. And, you know, that's what it's all about for me. It has an impact on our relationship somewhere online. And in fact, what happens is if you don't support mum and dad at the same time, and this is from my own experience that uh, when I had my breakdown, Michelle's depression came back because now she was looking after me and she was back in crisis team. So unless you, you know, in any sector, you know, I worked in, you know, looking after anyone with a mental health has an impact on, you know, care fatigue, you know. And, but it's shocking when you think the biggest killer is killing more men than cancer in the 45. And that's, you know, this is just, you know, it's something that we know is far higher than this as well. And we're not doing enough. We're certainly not doing enough for dads. If government's not going to listen to us, then we have to have a think outside the box. And that means you know, bringing in organisations. When dads go back into work, perhaps they can support that, you know, fund out their services, make sure they get the talk therapies, a specialism. Because, as you know, mental health is such a big area. Some dads need a specialism around perinatal mental health as well and to give them that confidence and encouragement organizations have been investing in their staff to support them to become mental health first aiders i know one of the pieces of work that unite's been heavily involved in is uh, the construction industry and you know construction workers have recorded huge issues with their poor mental health and i suppose like you say it's about mental health first aiders being aware about the impact of children coming along and and how we support people in the workforce to be better parents and, and more successful parents and and that has a, an improvement on the bottom line for them as well absolutely uh funny enough, i only spoke to um simon blake uh last week and he he's the, the ceo for mental health first in england and i said well you know everyone work with families in parents you know so they can educate themselves as well should have a basic knowledge of perinatal mental health have a basic knowledge so me and Jane do, um, do stuff and, you know, we mostly do it to help us and midwives. But I think everyone, nursing nurse, everyone, social workers, even construction, you know, if dad can back and work, you know, it's going to save money, their money, because if dad is struggling with mental health two weeks down the line, you know, afterwards, lack of sleep, baby come along, like all the things I mentioned, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia, you know, 
can't bond with a baby that you know dads can't bond you know and that need that attachment as well as we know all this stuff further down the line it has an impact on the, on the business as well as well as the family will hear the passion that you've got about the campaigning work that you've done and all the stuff that you've been involved in. Uh, where can people who have been listening get more information, not just about you, but about the day as well? If you want to find me, like, uh, it's a good uh, video, TEDx, uh, The Importance of Father's Mental Health. And that's for any dads who maybe struggle themselves, who don't feel guilty of the thoughts of getting. Gives you some basic knowledge on the 11-minute video. And it's for mum as well and the health visit midwives to actually educate that dad needs support for his mental health as well. Uh, and just Google International Father's Mental Health Day. It's always a day after Father's Day, because not every dad is happy on a Monday, um, as we know, Happy Father's Day on Sunday. So it's always on a Monday, uh, the first Monday after Father's Day in the UK. So, um, and Google Mark Williams, Father's Mental Health. Brilliant. And obviously we'll put links to your biography on Twitter and all the other bits that we uh, can share about the work that you've been doing. Thanks for your time today. Good luck with everything. Thanks, David.